This is Blind Like Me. Hello, everyone. Interviews, information, and reviews related to living with a vision disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way. Well, welcome to this week's edition of Blind Like Me. My name is Tim Black. Thanks very much for liking us wherever you find your podcasts. And, of course, we ask you to uh, give us a follow if you are not following the podcast already so you don't miss out on anything. Well, last week we were talking to Shiloh Bellis, of course, a totally blind radio announcer, and we talked about his day-to-day life. So this time I thought I would turn it around just a little bit. I, of course, am a visually impaired person myself, have been my entire life. This really hasn't ever stopped me from doing anything that I've ever wanted to do, and that included getting married. But I didn't marry somebody who was visually impaired. I married somebody who was fully sighted, much like many blind people who actually do marry people who are sighted. Shiloh, who we talked to last week, his wife is sighted as well. So on this edition, we welcome in, which could be interesting, my wife to the podcast, Kathy Black. Hello, Tim. Uh, Hello. So welcome to the podcast. Yes, here I am behind the mic. Yep, which is not a normal, comfortable position for you. No, it's not, but that's okay. Here I am for you. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit, and and really what this is, is a little bit of of an interview uh, of you. Uh, It's been 28 years uh, since we first started dating and getting together and eventually getting married over uh, 26 years ago. And I wanted to see from your perspective of somebody who is completely sighted, what it's like for you being on, on that side of things with a husband who is visually impaired. And what have you experienced over the last 28 years? So let's start at the beginning of really... What did you think you were getting into when we first started dating? I honestly, well, probably didn't have any idea, which I'm pretty sure my mother-in-law was going, hey, this girl has no idea. I, but you know what? I liked you and I wanted to date you and that's where things started. And you were always a very generous and patient teacher. So um, you taught me how to guide you uh, in certain situations. What was that like for the first time that you ever had to guide me? Like you taught me before. how to guide you before I actually had to guide. So you taught me, you said, you you basically took me aside and said, sometimes I'm going to need you to guide and this is what it's going to look like. And this is how I'm going to hold your elbow. And this is how it needs to feel. This is why we do it. So we did some practicing and it was just kind of fun and adventurous. And in certain situations, we we just had to do it Mm -hmm. Uh, where you would say, you know, this is a situation where I need you to guide me now, Kathy. I wasn't always very good at it. So obstacles on the ground were probably the things that I missed the most. I, you know, not so awful with the walls and mm-hmm. making you helping you get between people but uh ground obstacles like if there was a little ridge in the ground or something like that those are the kind of things that i would miss mm-hmm. uh you didn't use a white cane at that time so you wouldn't feel those things with your own cane so you were very dependent on what i would see uh so i certainly got better at it the older i got was there ever a time that you were scared no, I don't think so. I don't think I recall any time really being scared. Uh, I think that you and I have always worked really well together. I, I would say that there's certain situations that I felt less comfortable. Scared not being the right one. But if we were in large crowds, 
uh, where I really felt that other people were not aware of the situation that was going on. And as you've gotten older, those are times that I've asked you to take your white cane out. So I become more vocal as we got older and said, this is when you need to bring your white cane out because it did generate a little bit of distance when people can actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Not saying that people are 100% aware. When I say you bringing the white cane out creates some awareness, it's not enough as it should be. Now let's but clarify before we go any further is yeah. the fact that I, I, I actually don't didn't use a full cane. I've always used an ID cane. An ID which, cane. Which is yeah. the, the little one. It's only recently within the last couple of months uh, that, you know, I've gone to the larger cane now, um, which is just 50 inches. So that's that's where it is. And I'm not using it as much as a, as a tap cane, uh, but basically giving us more of an ID. So I guess my question for you would be at this point, you know, we've got to the stage where you're comfortable guiding me. You, you know, you're, you're watching for things that, that I'm not seeing, obviously. Uh, you're aware of me in crowds and aware of the, you know, crowds around us. But what are you seeing from the sighted world that people aren't seeing? I hate wet floor signs. I actually absolutely hate wet floor signs. Wait, so do I. They are, they're a danger. They're actually at a really terrible spot. If you were to clip one, they're a tripping hazard because the first thing they do is they fall over and become a second tripping hazard because you tip them over because you've knocked over this little folding sign. And now there's actually this unknown sign sort of sitting in front of you and where did it fall? Um, I, I absolutely despise them. And they're really, really hard to find uh, wet floor signs that are high enough for someone to sort of feel them at a waist height where where you you would not just be able to tap them, but also they're heavy enough and secure enough that you could feel where they are as you're trying to go around them. Did you ever think that you would never hate a wet floor sign? <laughs> no. Or ever hate a wet floor sign? I know. I'm like the ultimate, you know, health and safety worker who's like, no, everybody put the wet floor signs out. And now I'm like, you know what? Be aware of where your wet floor signs are and make sure that you're taking them down when you don't need them. And, and yeah, I really I really have a problem with how they're designed now. I'm also very aware of the fact that people are in their own worlds. Uh, they're not aware of the white cane as much as they were when you we were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were younger, uh, people were far more aware of the white cane. So if they saw it, they moved around it. And I don't know if that's partly because... There's an education piece there. I don't know. Or also just people are in their heads. Like you can literally watch people not seeing the world around them mm-hmm. and and just this lack of awareness that they're either, either they got their, whole, their head literally in a phone or they're just zoned out. And because of that, they're not aware of the personal space that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself guiding you around people who are coming directly at us who aren't moving. They literally are not moving because they're not aware that we need them to. And I do think that the education piece there is definitely there because this depends on which communities we're in. So uh, when we go home to Victoria, um, there's far more awareness. The sidewalks are nice and clear and they're flat and they're mm-hmm. well taken care of. And people see the white cane and they give us space. In our community we are in now, which is Brandon, Manitoba, I find that people... Um, are sometimes have a really, if they notice the white cane, they can get a really weird look, like what the heck is that for? Or they just don't see it at all. And also our sidewalks are just, they're they're not, you know, they're winter damaged mm-hmm. and they stay winter damaged most of the year round, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So that creates some challenges. What's the one thing you didn't ever expect when marrying somebody who was blind? I was, when I first started dating you, 
I was married, I was surprised at how people reacted if their children asked about your eyes. And they would be like, no, 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 don't look, don't look, look away. And it was really bothered me. It bothered me so much because it was it was teaching children at such a young age that disabilities are meant to be um, shunned and not focused on. But now it's 20, how many years did you say? 28? Oh my gosh. 28 years later and children don't ask mm-hmm. unless they want to. If they Sorry, I mean, if they ask, they ask you. Mm-hmm. They don't ask their parents. They ask you, hey, what's wrong with your eyes? Mm-hmm. And you get a chance to talk to them and their parents are okay with it. Mm-hmm. There's very little of that behavior. So in the last 28 years, our society has become more accepting of visual disabilities mm-hmm. and non-visual disabilities as well. Um, and when I say visual, I mean, I'm probably not using the right word, but you know, like when you can actually see that someone has a disability versus when you can't tell that they mm-hmm. have a disability, people are more accepting in both ways because they're seeing it in their schools and ch- and children are being trained through combination of TV, schools, their parenting is, is different. Um, so that's a real positive. Negative to that, though, that you spoke about a few minutes ago is the fact that people, even though they're willing to ask about it, they're still not willing to see so the cane. here's the thing. It's the age range that doesn't see the cane. Okay. So what and age range is it? It's us. It's it's middle age. It's our age range that's really having a hard time um, and older. So the younger kids uh, look at it. They see it. They may not know how to deal with it, but they know that, hey, you know, just give some more space. Um, it, it's really it's really our generation. Our generation is still struggling to understand how to handle the white cane. And, and then also you, you might have people coming from um, other countries that haven't been taught necessarily how it, what it's meant to do. And, and that's a piece that you've particularly noticed when you're by yourself mm-hmm. navigating mm-hmm. Um, is that uh, people don't actually understand what it is. And you'll get out, outright like, what are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Do you think our, pa- our community is more patient now or less patient? I, I think that's a good question. I think that that may be... I don't know what do you what do you think? Because oh, you're at, you're on the other side here. I think I I, I have my own opinion. My own opinion. <laughs> oh, you want you my, want to know my opinion? I want um, to know your okay. opinion. My own opinion is here that we our, go. <laughs> that my own opinion is the fact that I don't think our community uh, communities are as patient in some areas. Yeah. I think we still need to have a certain amount of patience with people. I know the fact that if I'm traveling by myself or guiding by or you know on my own there doesn't seem to be uh the compassion that there should be and i'll use my case an example that i went to the supermarket last summer when i went shopping by myself and this is when you know my vision was probably at its least when I was having visual vision problems. And we've talked about this in the podcast before that I've been, you know, dealing with some vision, you know, some, some loss of vision, but hopefully we're on the turnaround now. And I was standing in the aisle looking for hash browns and I didn't have people ask, offer to help me. So I think there still is an opportunity. And I think our society still needs to be more patient and more helping. Um, and that's coming from my end of things. Yeah, I think you're probably right. There's that. Even even using like a, even trying to use a pin pad, mm-hmm. nobody wants to help. Nope. So the pin pad is let's let's expand a little bit about uh, on on that. that. That is one of my pet peeves 
Um, tap is great if you have tap in your community. It, it, you know, the stores are, are tapping. But some of the major retailers still don't have tap. And I'm not going to name who they are. Uh, but those who are visually impaired and blind, and depending on where you live, you may face this problem all, all, all the time. If I go to this certain store, I know there's no tap there. The way that the pad is set up, it's not easily accessible for the person behind the register to be able to help me. Mm -hmm. So that is a frustration right there. I love technology. We've talked about that on this show as well. Uh, the technology is our friend. Tap is the blind person's, you know, best friend when it actually works in the in the community, uh, or in the store rather. But when you don't have the um, accessibility to to use that thing, uh, it's a frustration for me. That would be why you laugh at me because it took me so long to get on Apple Pay because yes. it's a blind yes. man's friend. And you're yes. like, geez, Kathy, just just use it. <laughs> Apple Pay is way easier in that. In that. And, but I mean, that, and that's the other side of it. So, I mean, there you go. Now, this goes back to my, my initial question for you is, you know, what do you see that frustrates you as somebody, you know, as, as a sighted person watching somebody who is blind? Watching someone who is blind? Mm -hmm. What frustrates you as a sighted person that you feel that could be better for somebody who is blind? I think that the lack of consistency coming from our bank systems and what gets delivered, uh, the lack of consistency from retailers for what they use for ways of paying, what gets delivered, how stores set up their merchandising on whether you can navigate it or not is inconsistent with retailers, but also inconsistent with different, it could be the same retailer, mm -hmm. but you know, just a, they're trying to cram more into a different space. Mm -hmm. And so one store you can navigate and that exact same store in a different mall, for example, you can't navigate. Um, so a lot of retailers are still- Standards need to be set. Yeah, they're still not achieving the standards. And and there are, there are organizations, um, there are standards in say Ontario and Manitoba and BC, I can't speak for all the other provinces that they're supposed to be they're supposed to be striving to meet and they're not doing it. Mm. But having worked in retail for more than one company, there's um, the people who are planning this and organizing these things come from a national head office mm -hmm. who don't necessarily understand what their standards are for every single province and what the expectation is. So you've got to communicate it back to them. And that becomes our responsibility as retailers to do that. And that doesn't happen on a regular basis. I'm, I'm an advocate, right? So as an advocate, I'm going to look at it differently when I walk into a place that I work. And a lot of other people don't see it from that point of view. Sometimes I need you to tell me. I think that one of the proudest moments I had at work recently was we, I work in a place that has a lot of different displays. Mm -hmm. And um, we rearranged the whole store. And I had someone come in with a wheelchair and a very large wheelchair. And the, you know, the proud moment was that this customer took the challenge. I said, you know, I challenge you to tell me if I've made, if we've made things better for you. Mm -hmm. And he drove the whole store and he says, I've never seen it this good. This is amazing. You guys should be proud. And those are really cool moments. But I have to be willing to ask somebody mm -hmm. who has a disability to give me feedback. Mm -hmm. And people are scared to talk to people about their disabilities. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. Like, I have know when I've had those moments where I've said something to somebody before, the people around me look at me like, 
are you really saying this? And I'm like, of course I am. Because this person has an opinion. They have a voice. Mm -hmm. And how do I make things better unless I talk to this person who has an opinion and who has a voice? Like, I need to know, am, am I doing what they need? And if I'm not, how can I make it better? What's the one thing that frustrates you that you've had to teach me? I'd, oh, my gosh. To ask for help. Um, you've been so independent uh, for so long, and you were able to get by with the eyesight you had and, and adapt so that people didn't even know you were blind. I don't know how they didn't know you were blind because your eyes are very obviously not, you know, shaped like the rest of ours and everything else. Um, but they would forget. And because of that, you kind of got used to not asking for help. You got used to adapting. And so when your eyesight started to get worse over the last few years, the hardest thing you had to do was tell uh, myself and the children that, hey, no, stop. I actually need you to guide me right now. So all of a sudden we would be by ourselves. You mm. would be behind us like four or five feet. And we turn around. You weren't with us anymore. And you're standing back there waiting for someone to guide you. And like, but, but you just needed to tell me. Mm. And I would have stopped. <laughs> um, so getting you to actually tell us early. And to be be okay saying that you needed help, mm -hmm. that would be the the hardest one we had was was for for you to be okay saying that you needed help, mm -hmm. um, and then that's made us better uh, guides. What's the one thing as a sighted person with a visually impaired husband that you would want to tell the rest of the sighted and visually impaired world? So uh, that white cane means give us the space we need. Um, it's it's not you know it's not go, hey, just going to squish on past you. It's not that because you're lucky you're not going to get tripped over. It really is give us the space we need. So let us go by. Give us the space to go by. Don't make me have to pull you out of the, the, the line or, you know, tuck us in a corner in a grocery store while people push past with a shopping cart. Um, or, you know, if we're trying to go through a crowd and like I said, having someone say, you know, just excuse me and, and they push past you and I on your um, on you, your side rather than on my side, mm -hmm. like it, it's very frustrating to me. So they're actually, they're, uh, it, so it's just the easiest thing to do is if you see a white cane, be respectful for a moment. All we need to do is have that time to get by and then you can get on with your rest of your business. It's no, no big deal. There's lots of time and to give us the space to, to get through as well so that I don't have to make you walk behind me and I don't have to pull you aside. There's a term we could use right now, social distancing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, well, considering the COVID thing, I know we, we can we, we joke a little lightly about it, but I mean it it's not entirely untrue. Is that the length of that the um of your white cane is about as how far away that mm -hmm. everybody should be, and the length of your cane is about how far away I would prefer that people were when we were walking, because that gives us the space that we need. And it doesn't have to do with COVID specifically gives it's it's about me being able to guide you appropriately and safely. Thanks for doing this. Hey, you're welcome, Tim. If you have any comments, questions, or you'd like to reach out to us, let us know. Drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. That's blindlikeme at outlook.com. And thanks very much for listening to this week's edition of Blind Like Me. And thanks to my wife Kathy who made it through this. I did. Sweating, <laughs> it was a big deal. but she made it through it. And I didn't swear once. That's a plus. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Blind Like Me. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a comment or suggestion about future casts, drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a timblackonair.com production.